The part of branding that most clients want to get going on is actually the marketing. But as my podcast guest this week highlighted, the number one biggest mistake in the world that somebody can do is market themselves before their brand is built. And my guests don't just point out what 90% of personal brands do wrong. They also share their three-step process for defining and building a great real estate brand. And part of that is the brand identifier. We call a brand identifier. Most people might refer to it as a slogan or a tagline. We call it an identifier because we feel like that's what it does. It kind of sets the tone and direction for your brand or what you're known for. We believe fully that people do business with a person. And the reason they do that is because of their story and what what it is that they identify with that has gotten them to where they are. Those are my two guests this week, Tonya Eberhardt and Michael Carr, the business partners behind Brandface. Their mantra is people don't do business with a logo, they do business with a person. And after listening to this episode, you'll understand why they say that. All this after the break. This is REI Branded, the podcast all about building your real estate investing personal brand. My name is Paul Cockett, and my mission is to help you, the busy real estate investor, stand out from the crowd so that people can find you easily want to work with you and can't wait to refer you. Meaning that you can build a successful real estate investing business without feeling inauthentic, overwhelmed with marketing or spending all day doing it. Because marketing is how you get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. But before we begin, if you're a real estate investor looking to build your business and stand out from the crowd, and you don't want to wait for all the knowledge, strategies, and how-tos to be slowly delivered to you via this podcast every week, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. That's the process I've created that has already helped dozens of real estate investors to define and develop their personal brands and build their real estate investing businesses. This audit is a mind-focusing, eye-opening insight addressing key questions like, is your message clear and consistent? Do you stand out as being different? Are you on people's radars and inspiring them enough to reach out and want to know more? The application only takes a few minutes and the link is in the show notes. After you apply, if it seems like I can help, we'll set up an initial conversation to explain the audit in more detail and answer any questions you have. So if you're a real estate investor who's committed to building your personal brand and business this year, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. Now, back to the show. Tonya, Michael, welcome uh, to the podcast today. Uh, I think we're going to have a great conversation because I think we're on the same page when it comes to personal branding, and then Michael's background in real estate as well. So I think it's going to be a fascinating uh, conversation for people today. I love your mantra. People don't do business with a logo. They do business with a person. So let's kick off there. What do you mean by that? You know, At the end of the day, no matter how big a company is, the engagement is generally one-to-one, right? And let's just take real estate, for instance. You know, if you're in a big brokerage with 500 you know, agents and a lot of team members and so forth, you're not really thinking about, oh, I'm doing business with ABC Brokerage. You're mm-hmm. thinking, I'm doing business with Michael. Because it, at the end of the day, it's a one-to-one kind of thing. And you choose that person, not the brokerage generally. Mm-hmm. In fact, almost always, by the way. Yeah, we would even argue, Paul, like we would even argue even B2B, you know, even even big business to big business, 
that you're it's still humans trusting other humans, right? And and you usually have a counterpart across the aisle that you're working with that you trust to get something done. So right. uh, we even take it that far. And and you make a good point, Michael. Human and trust. Mm-hmm. And and when you think of even when you think of brands you know and love, it boils back down to trust, doesn't it? And the emotional connection you make with that brand. And it's interesting you mentioned about logos or the brokerages. Because I saw a marketing article just recently, and I think it was Century 21 that did the research. I may be wrong, but they did a Remax logo. Century 21 had done a rebrand uh, with their logo and then Prudential. And Century 21 has just gone completely in the wrong direction with regards to their logo, and nobody recognized it. But then the whole thing I think that came out of the survey, the bottom line was at the end of the day, people choose the agent or the brokerage. I don't know if it's the same in the US, but up here in Canada, the real estate, the realtor signs very much more place the emphasis on the personal brand of the realtor. And right down at the bottom is the Remax logo, whereas it used to be the big balloon on the signs. You don't see that as much anymore. And you see even... uh, a number of it, like Royal LePage up here, which is big, has a an ex, you know, luxury end, and it, Royal LePage is very small, and it's a completely different brand. And so it's interesting the way things have developed from that sense. What are the challenges for a realtor or a real estate investor when it comes to promoting their personal brand and, and even identifying what their personal brand is? I think the biggest challenge is their point of differentiation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of times people don't even realize like what it is that truly sets them apart until you start digging and going through a discovery process. That's one thing. And then the other thing is their ideal customer. They have such difficulty really nailing that, honing in on who it is they super serve. Because if you try to help everyone, you'll just help yourself right out of business. Mm -hmm. So, You really need to know who it is you're talking to because, as you mentioned, Paul, branding is pretty much just promoting your company, but your brand is the reason they choose you. Your personal brand is the reason they choose you. And when it comes to marketing yourself, then you have to know who it is you're talking to. Otherwise, your marketing won't really be very targeted. Yeah. you don't. If you don't know who you're talking to, you don't really know what to say. Uh, that's going to be attractive to or that where person. to market or by where the way. they're showing up, where your ideal customer resides and spends the most of their time. And I don't think people don't spend enough time. I know they don't spend enough time doing that. Like you got to have those three things. You got to have a good point of differentiation. You've got to have an idea of who your ideal customer is, so you know how to speak to them. And uh, and that requires niche, you know, niching down a little bit. And you say that to people, and then they panic. And they're like, oh, my God, I, I need to do business with <laughs> a everybody. full-on case of hives. <laughs> <laughs> and you do. You know, I have realtors say it all the time. They're like, what? I want to sell a house to anybody. And the answer is yes. If they call you or they refer to you or they're, of course you will. And of course, you're going to make money anywhere that you can make it. But when you're spending your money marketing and trying to target those people, you can't target everybody. It, it's a watered down message that doesn't really get you any ROI on your investment and your marketing. And I'm sure you find the same as I do. I think it's people's fear that if they niche, they are excluding people, but that's not the case. And it, it's so hard to get people to understand 
It truly is. And those who do understand it thrive yeah, in their business. It, think of it this way. There was a, a time before, just before Brandface you know, came along, I had an integrated marketing company and I was sitting in the office one day and I realized that, hey, this is awesome. Anybody who walks through the door, I could do business with. And then I thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Anybody who walks through the door, I could do business with. And that's when I realized I was no longer special. There was nothing unique or different about me that attracted someone because I could do everything, you know, and that is not attractive because first of all, it's hard to believe that you can't do everything and you can't please everyone and you can't work with everybody. You can try. (laughs) <laughs> but you will, if you specialize in a certain area, and that's when I realized the thing that I was most passionate about was personal branding, was helping somebody be the best face of their business and express why somebody should choose them. What are the types of elements that you advise your clients on in terms of differentiation? What are the kind of things that people do that differentiates them? Well, there's several different categories. So You could be known for doing what you do in a specific area, like a geographic area. You could be known for a type of customer that you serve, a very specific type. For us, it is real estate professionals and coaches and consultants. Those are our two main ideal customers. So you could also be known for a specific attribute that you have, maybe you are a very hard worker or you're super responsive or you there there's something about your personality or personality trait that people that your ideal customers really appreciate it could be your experience level that is your differentiator it could be a specific expertise that is a differentiator so we look at all of those things but here's the key to it paul it's not just figuring out okay i excel at this area You have to excel at an area that the ideal customer that you want to attract appreciates and will Mm -hmm. resonate and will resonate with that person. So there's a formula to it, in other words. And how do you identify what that ideal customer wants? That's that's an interesting uh, spin on a question right there. We've been asked something close to that a bunch. They, They so here's the thing: once you know what that point of differentiation is, then you get to know what that ideal customer is on the other side of that, right? We use what we call as the HEAP criteria, which is H-E-A-P, when we try to identify what it is your point of differentiation is and then where you're going to go with that. And that the H stands for people you can help. That's really important. The E stands for people that... People you enjoy. Enjoy working with. And I think that's something that people leave they forget to do, right? Like I think as business owners, we are, we're like, okay, it doesn't matter. I really didn't like that person or they didn't like me or whatnot. I made money off of them, but that can be draining and really steal from your productivity. So somebody that you enjoy is very much an important part of that ideal customer. A is the people that appreciate you because that's very important. Also, you want somebody, you look back when you're drawing up your ideal customer, and what that avatar is going to look like, you want to, to think back on those people that have appreciated your expertise or your ability, you know, your business, your, your experience level, whatever it might be that you're promoting. And then the P is profitable. They got to be profitable to you. Not, that's not a bad word. We're all in business to make as much money as we possibly can make, you know, and as little effort as possible, right? 
So when you boil those things down, then now you've got an avatar of a person that you want to target. And then it's just a matter of figuring out their attributes that they'll respond to. Right. That's, that's funny because I was on my mastermind call yesterday and one of the people on the mastermind shared the acronym ELF. She loves working with ELFs. Are you Santa Claus? I like but this already. <laughs> but this, is a, this was a simplified version of HEAP in terms it was, do you enjoy working with them? Are they lucrative? Mm-hmm. And do you have fun? That's yeah. good. So yeah, in, I love it. That's good. So, yep. uh, I love it. But, but I liked your point, Michael, profitable. Right. Because you can have a lucrative client, but you might lose money because there's, there's always yeah. the risk, as you know, in branding and marketing is the project creep. The, oh, yes. uh, but, yeah, but could you just do this? And yeah, I know we said the website was only going to have three edits, but I want five. And, you know, it's always that. that <laughs> you mentioned attributes. Uh, how do you go about, what are the things that you do to help both the individual understand their personal brand attributes and then also how do they identify the attributes of a, an ideal client? One of the things is looking at their hobbies and what people have said about them in the past. When people compliment you, what kinds of things do they say? And they might say, you are the happiest person that I've ever been around. I never see you in a bad mood. You're always pleasant and you always look on the positive side of everything. In that case, everybody appreciates that. So we may go in that arena of kind of leading with that pleasant and positive personality because people want to work with somebody positive. That positive person is going to lead them towards success almost every time. So that's kind of one way we look at it. And when it comes to hobbies, there's actually a real estate out there that calls herself the skydiving realtor. Okay. <laughs> and that is, it has nothing to do with real estate on the surface. But when you drill down underneath, and I really haven't looked deeply into the brand, but on obviously she could play upon that quite a bit, diving in to help you do this, or the sky's the limit when it comes to this, those kind of things will kind of pull all that perspective in. But a lot of times it's that very surface thing that you see that people remember. So they remember those personal things about you. We have another real estate agent in our program that drives a Jeep, and he loves to be known for that kind of adventurous type of a lifestyle. And we've built our building his brand around that. So there are a lot of ways that you can look at different attributes like that, just personality traits, hobbies, things like that. I'm having so much fun with the skydiving realtor because I'm thinking you could do open houses and they announce the open house by coming in on a parachute and landing on the lawn and there you saying, go. okay, the, the exactly. house is open. So. <laughs> exactly. And the cool part is you don't even have to really do that. You could actually just do that through the magic of video. Video them one time popping down somewhere and just use that footage over and over again. They pop down and I'm here at this house now. So those so creative ideas are awesome. There's a lot that you can do with that. And some people look at that and say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with real estate. Make it have something to do with real estate. It's memorable (laughs) is what it is. Exactly. You need that hook. You need the hook to get people to stop, especially in the world we live in now. I mean, we just, everybody's bombarded with a thousand different shiny things a day, even. And it's easy to get lost in all of that when you're trying to get the attention of your ideal customer. You need something to get them to stop. That's a brand identifier is what we call that. And we work really hard with our clients to try to come up with that. So that's like the cover of the book. You walk into a bookstore, there's thousands of books and you go to your genre of that you want to read in. Now you still have to go look at spines and book covers to try to figure out 
what I want to read. And those things that are catchy, they get us to stop, open the book. Now we start to read a little bit about it. Look a little deeper. Look a little deeper into it. And then, uh, so we really find that's important when you're trying to decide what you're going to do, what direction you're going to go with that point of differentiation. I've just seen a real estate group here close to me that's just done a complete brand relaunch. And and we're talking about attributes and they've led with the word trust. I'm thinking, oh, really? You know, you spent tens of thousands of dollars on, and they must've done because they've got billboards everywhere, bus advertising and everything. I'm thinking trust is, sorry, that's what I would call table stakes. You're not going to hire an untrustworthy realtor, are you? So, I've always said, Paul, if you have to put the word trust in it, don't even bother me. It's <laughs> Probably not been. trustworthy. <laughs> She's like, right. do not put I, honest trust. Not, don't do it. Like, right. you're just do supposed not to put be that. Integrity. <laughs> do not put the word integrity in your name, please. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So, now you can use it in your brand messaging. You know, you can oh, utilize sure. some of those words, you know, or better yet, the better way to handle that is have your clients review you and use those words, right? Because that's sure. someone else that saying it about it. you. I actually, Paul, you'll, you'll really like this, but I actually just did a development deal with a company that had integrity in their name. Biggest group of liars I've ever worked with. Like, I'll never work with them again. Like I'll never. <laughs> Wasn't Enron one of their values, trust or honesty or <laughs> something? True, yeah. <laughs> yes. So there you go. That, that kind of brings me to a question maybe for, for both of you. Tonya, your background is from the marketing side. Let's talk about a, an occasional mistake. What, what are the big mistakes that you see people with marketing? And then, Michael, you from the real estate perspective, and you've got tons of different real estate, what are the mistakes that you see, particularly in the real estate space? Okay. So the number one biggest mistake in the world that somebody can do is market themselves before their brand is built. Because if we think of it, and the simplified definition here of marketing versus branding. Marketing is simply using various different vehicles, channels, or platforms to get a message out there. It doesn't matter whether it's a business card or a postcard or a billboard or a radio commercial. It's just utilizing a certain platform to get a message out. Your brand, however, is the message and image that goes onto those marketing platforms. Here's what happens. And since you and Michael both are in real estate, we'll kind of stay on that vein for a moment. What happens when you don't build your brand first and you decide, oh, I'm going to try this new shiny marketing tool. Let's just do video marketing with this particular company. They have a system or let's do an all-in-one where I've got social media posts and emails and all that kind of stuff. This is awesome. I'm going to brand myself. But what happens is unless you build your brand to answer these five very important questions. Who do you serve? How do you serve them? What qualifies you to serve them? How does it make their life better? And what sets you apart from everybody else who's also trying to serve these same people? Okay. Your brand has to answer those questions because if not, you're just going to use the same templates and the same scripts that all these people give you for their marketing systems. And it's going to be, if you or someone would like to buy or sell a home, call me. I'm trustworthy. Mm. I've sold homes for 28 years. I've done this. And those are the most boring marketing (laughs) things ever. And it's something that pretty much everybody says. So if you want to stand out, don't do that. (laughs) So I know. Thank you for letting me go on my soapbox for a moment there, Paul. 
I, I'm very I think passionate people, about that. I think people should rewind about two <laughs> minutes and jot down those five questions that you just listed, Tonya, because that is golden. That everybody should be trying to answer those five for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tanya taught me that, you know, I was actually a client of Tanya's before she asked me to be a partner in a company and I bought into it. And I just, it turned me around. I, I never thought I would be a broker. Like I, I, I was a real estate auctioneer. I was an auctioneer by trade first and then got into real estate business because my mentor said I can make some extra money. It ended up being the money. And then I still am an auctioneer just because I absolutely love to craft. But when we worked our way out of that REO debacle from 2007 to 2013-ish, 14, a little bit into 15, then good auctioneers are working their way out of a job. So I, I'm like, I'm still young. What am I going to do? And came back to a small town in the suburbs of Atlanta and opened up a brokerage, did a deal, bought a piece of property. And then the other agent said, hey, let's open up a brokerage together. There's not any competition around. And we we looked and we didn't feel like there was. And so I said, if you'll help me, we'll do it. And she said, okay. And she came on board. And then about two weeks later, she said, your marketing stinks and you need to talk to my niece. <laughs> and that was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was right. And I knew it did. And But I'm still trying to clean up messes and all over the United States. I'm trying to shut down offices we don't need anymore and things like that. So I'm running around crazy trying to get back home. But I know enough in business to try to get this next ball rolling before I need it rolling. And so we did. And I hired her company and she had a turnkey at the time. And she taught me these principles that now we teach in our workshops and stuff. But it's those things that make up a brand, like she said. I mean, like originally, she didn't like anything real estate because she's like, it's not niched enough. You know, anything real estate, you, you, well, you'll do anything. And I said, no, it's more like I've done everything. And so like, you know, we if, can it, do anything. if we can do anything, uh, we do have our specialized arms link transaction for residential brokerage is our number one small commercial, light commercial is our second and developments our third. She just began to work immediately when we launched and uh, we saw immediate results. And I had been in business for years and spent a lot of money in marketing. I did, but I had done it wrong. Like 99% of the people that we work with have done. I was just throwing things against the wall, hoping it would stick and then hoping that I sold more than I spent on marketing. And that's not a business plan. (laughs) That doesn't give you ROI on your marketing until she started working with me. I was one of those people that would have said, there is no ROI marketing. Spend all you can at it and hope that you make more money than that. But that's not really true. It's not. As soon as you build a brand, now you have a focus. You don't get up confused every day wondering what you're going to do. You know who you're talking to. You learn everything about those people that you are talking to that are engaging back to you. And then it they just make you better at what you're doing and speaking to them louder than you did before. And that's how your business grows exponentially year over year. What about the real estate investor listening to this who's got you know one, two, three properties, they're small, very so- small solo business, or the realtor, the standalone realtor. I mean, there's, there's tons of those. And again, I don't know if, it, I'm sure it's the same in the US, but here in Hamilton, where I am in Canada, we're population 550,000, there's 2,500 realtors. I was talking with a realtor uh, who was very successful for a number of years. And she was saying that 95% of the properties are sold by the top 5%. Does that mean that those individual, those solo realtors, those solo investors, there's even more reason that they need to brand? Or is it something that they're kind of discounting in their head because they think well, that branding's for the bigger companies? Branding's for the guys with 20, branding 20. Branding for everybody. 
Like literally, even if you and we have people in our programs that are like that, they don't want any bigger business. They want better business, easier business. They want more free time. Great. Uh, you know, we even call it our 3D, our freedom formula, because that's what it is. Now, if you want to build a company like I build, every, I build a boutique brokerage. Uh, so I want more agents. I don't take every agent that interviews. We have certain criteria we stick to because we want to be the most powerful. I want a brokerage that has 2000 agents. Don't get me wrong. But I want to be known for the brokers that has the highest percentage of successful real estate agents, not just real estate agents. If you take, uh, you know, Gary Keller, you got 160,000 Williams agents out there, but how many of them are successful? It goes back to what Realtor told you. 95% of the properties are sold by the top five. So I, that's the kind of brokerage I want to build. But even if you just want to be um, a one-person shop, if you brand yourself, then you're talking to the right people. Again, you've got focus. You know exactly where you're going and who you're trying to work with. It's okay to say no, right? In our business, you can say, I don't want to work with, I I work with downsizers. I don't want to advertise for starter home families. But if you get one, you can either do it or you can refer it. Thank goodness. In our business, referral business is huge. It should be in every business. You don't have to work with everybody. You can say no. You're focused on what I implore that it doesn't matter whether you're one person or 160,000. Every one of them need to be personally branded. And you've mentioned a couple of times um, your first step in your 3D process, discover. Walk people through your three steps, your 3Ds, and and what does it mean? You got it. Okay. So they're defined, develop, and display. And in the defined phase, we are looking at really defining who those ideal customers are, create as uh, thorough a snapshot as we can so we know who we're talking to and what motivates them and what will attract them. Then we take a, also in that same phase, we take a look at points of differentiation because every person, you don't just have one point of differentiation, you have multiple. So we need to look through those and see which of those are going to work with your brand and work to attract the people you want to attract. And then we come up with what we call a brand identifier. Most people might refer to it as a slogan or a tagline. We call it an identifier because we feel like that's what it does. It kind of sets the tone and direction for your brand or what you're known for. And once we set that tone, that becomes kind of like the cover of a book, right? It's like, I see, like Michael's brand identifier is Abundant Life Broker. That says a lot to support his story of wanting to his agents to have the most abundant life and business possible, the highest percentage of successful agents of any boutique brokerage in the area. And that's what he wants. So it all aligns, right? So that's what we do in the define phase. Yeah. And we look at about 77 different criteria for that. We, we really try to dig deep about it. And it sets the stage for the next which is develop and develop, you know, we, as we talked about earlier, the defined phase is like that real shiny 75 miles an hour. What does that type of get you to stop and pay attention for a second? Right. So foot in the door, but then there's got to be more to it. So we believe fully that people do business with a person. And the reason they do that is because of their story and what, what it is that they identify with that has gotten them to where they are. Right. And then this is where we infuse the personal to the brand because we're we're we want to know more about people. That's why we love the podcasting. We we get to meet people every day of the week that like yourself that is all all the way up in Ontario and and we're here in Atlanta. And I mean, it just the power of that brings us together. But it is the personal part of that that we love the most. So now we got to explain that to their ideal customer. 
what, you know, what made them get into this certain industry they're doing? What made them want to start their own business? What made them want to, you know, be a real estate investor or a real estate broker or a dentist or anything else? All of that is important. And it's not just a really good, strong bio that has and infuses those personal elements in it, but it's also your background images. Do they resonate with where you are? Like mine here in North Georgia or the North Georgia mountains, because, you know, our Facebook group is Explore North Georgia. Like, so we, we try to infuse all of that in with the story because I was raised and so was she in North Georgia in the mountains. So it's important to, and then you also want to tie in the right photos. It's not, we know that a picture is worth a thousand words. It needs to be the same thousand words. So the photo shoot, we put a lot of time and effort into because that needs to say exactly what the bio says non-verbally. And we fuse all of those things together and pull them together in the develop phase. Right. And then the final one is display. And that one pretty much speaks for itself. Just making, yeah, you would think, (laughs) they would think we don't always see it executed very well at times, but in, in our program, we make sure that before somebody gets out, that their brand is displayed correctly and consistently across their everyday marketing platform. So you need to make sure that your website, you have that same look and feel and message on your website that's on Facebook. LinkedIn, your business cards, your personalized note cards, any marketing and advertising that you do, because consistency is the game here. A lot of people make the mistake of putting one cover photo and message on Facebook, and then it says something entirely different on YouTube, and that's totally different from LinkedIn. So there's no consistency. And that's really what's missing a lot Mm -hmm. in the marketing world is the consistency of the brand. Do you think, though, that for LinkedIn versus Facebook versus Instagram versus YouTube, that you need to tweak it to that audience to some degree, though. Because it's funny because my podcast next week, the guest is a personal brand photographer. And so we had a discussion around, do you use the same headshot on every social media platform? Years ago, there was a marketing guru that, that said, yes, you should use the same one. And yet, I personally, I disagree because I think Instagram is a different audience than a YouTube audience or a LinkedIn audience for sure. I think a bit of variation helps, but what you're saying is there still needs to be that brand consistency yeah, absolutely. in the overall look and feel, but I'd have a more serious professional headshot on LinkedIn, for example, versus maybe something more relaxed on. We do not recommend the same headshot on everything for sure. <laughs> we mm. recommend the same look and feel and, yeah. and message, right? So your personal brand logo, the background image, let's say you have background images and one is the North Georgia mountains and one's a beach and one's a house. So you want to make sure that the one with the beach is everywhere all at once, because that's the consistency. Our eyes goes to beauty first, right? It goes to that gorgeous background imagery that when you pop it up, that's one of the first things you notice. It's like, oh, what beautiful mountains or what a beautiful beach. And that's the consistency that comes to mind first. But in terms of the actual photograph of the person, it can be any photograph that you feel really fits that particular scenario Mm -hmm. or that particular platform, as long as it portrays the image that you want to portray. So your photo shoot should never, you should never choose the final image from images from your photo shoot unless they do portray the image that you're trying to portray. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to portray somebody who's, You've seen a lot of attorneys out there do this super serious, almost gruff kind of look on their face because it's like, I don't make money unless you do. And 
I'm going to be the big bad guy who's going to go to bat for you. And so you don't always want to be like smiling and holding, you know, little puppies. So you have that consistency of that kind of a very serious look. So you want to maintain that kind of look and feel, but it could be you being in four different places with just Mm. different body posture or maybe even a different suit, as long as it's color coordinated with your brand colors, those things like that. I'm with you, Paul. I agree with you there. You have freedom and flexibility in that look and feel. Just make sure there's some consistency there. Yeah. A connector type of thing. Not matchy match, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I <was> say. <laughs> I made a point earlier, Tanya, about uh, making sure that you've got the brand in place before you get to the marketing. But everybody wants to rush to display your third step. That's exactly. what they all. Well, what are you displaying? Right. That's, that's all the, the sexy part. That's right. where everybody wants to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's take social media a, a stage further. What about content? Uh, because I think a lot, uh, certainly in, in my space, real estate investors seem to struggle with content. And then should they be putting the same content across all platforms? And probably I'm guessing what your answer might be, but w- what are your thoughts around content? How how can people be effective with content, but, but also not spend seven hours a day trying to create? First of all, I think that we tend to think that every piece of content we put out there gets read by everybody, right? So I I don't think that we need to be putting out 365 different pieces of content a year. I think we need to take the time, really thoughtfully put out really good content that supports what we stand for in our brand. And also support something, again, it's that formula of what do we stand for? What are we known for? Plus, what is our ideal customer seeking? What would they appreciate to know from me? And would further, you know, ingratiate me in their mind and heart as the person who is bringing them that information. So, you know, 50 to 100 pieces of content a year are awesome instead of 365, as long as they're thought out and they actually make sense. One of the biggest mistakes that I think real estate agents make is signing up with companies that just crank out content, 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 because a lot of that content is just boring. It's all, it's not very well written because it's just cranked out for quantity, not quality. And I know we always have, Michael and I always have these quantity and quality arguments all the time. <laughs> I, I do think you can have both. I truly do think you, and I think both is the answer. You need to be putting out a lot of content, but here's the cool thing. When your brand is really dialed in and what it is you stand for, And what it is that you help your customers do, how do you serve them? What qualifies you to serve them? And how does it make their life better? That gives you the roadmap to so much content. Like you can brainstorm. Once you have those pieces in place, you can brainstorm all day and come up with all sorts of great ways to produce content. And I got to add to that. One of the reasons why like just social media content creators, where they miss the mark, is they don't they, there's no brand infusion. Yeah. And we, we really teach brand infusion. Like it has to show up everywhere all the time. Like my staff does not think about a tumbler, a jacket, a billboard, a send out card, a handwritten card. Any, it does not matter. There are elements of our brand on everything all the time, period. Even down to coffee cups in the office. We constantly, we have that around. And I think people miss that. You have got to display it constantly everywhere, all the time. You want to hear things in your town like, man, I see you everywhere. 
You right. want to hear that. Now you know you're getting somewhere. Now you know that something you're, the word is getting out. Well, funnily enough, uh, my guest, I think it was episode 51, is a realtor in a fairly small town in Ontario, about 100,000 people. He's only been in the business about four years, but he and his wife have branded themselves as they both grew up, their childhood high school sweethearts grew up in that town. And so they've branded themselves Beth and Ryan. So you don't even know their surnames. And she was in a store one day and she mentioned, they said, oh, they we'll take it up. We'll let you know when that's in. What's your name? She said, oh, it's Beth. When they said, what, Beth and Ryan? And it was just straight <laughs> away recalled. And, and anyway, I saw them post on Facebook just recently. They've done a deal with the local brewery in the town and they now have their own beer. Love it. But, mm-hmm. it's, but it's all around the town. Their whole focus is around right. the town. And they've gone from nowhere four years ago to the top 0.5% of realtors in that town, just by yep. purely focusing on exactly all the elements that you've spoken about. Yep. Yeah. Even but, down to getting their, their, their name on the brewer. That's awesome. Yeah. That is really insane good. And, and, and it's the clever, even extra little clever piece. She's blonde. So they made a blonde ale. It was ah. a blonde ale versus a dark ale or something. It was a blonde ale. I thought that's classic. That's just. That's putting thought yeah, into your that, brand. That's that very is, clever. I applaud that. And they wouldn't be able to do those things unless they knew what made them stand out. You know, mm. they're local, they're hyper local, and they know the local area, everything about it. You even knew that they were high school sweethearts. That's part of their story. Mm-hmm. So a lot mm-hmm. of that really meshes together to make sure they're recognized for something really nice and positive. That's a brand. Uh, that is building a brand. Mm-hmm. I've got, we've got a realtor here out of Atlanta. I first ran into him in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's got one message. And that message is always the same. As his company grew, he moved into South Carolina. I do a lot of business up the 85 corridor between Charlotte and in Atlanta. And so next thing you know, I start seeing these billboards and they're the same, it's the exact same message, exact same message. I know some realtors in Greenville, South Carolina, and they started going after him, right? And they, and their message changed constantly, constantly. And every time I ride by one of their changed messages, chasing Mark, Mark's message is exact same as it is in Atlanta, as it is in Phoenix, as it is in Greenville, as it is in Charlotte, the exact same message. Right. And I'm like, these guys are just wasting their money, just changing this message all the time and chasing, which you should never do, by the way, ever. (laughs) You should never compare yourself. You're running your business, run your business, right? But but I applaud him because he never changes that message. It's always exactly the same. And I'm I'm like, that's the key to a a great brand. It's always the same and people get to know. That's a leads to a question. What about copying the competition? Or not copying, but. I know they say, uh, what's the saying? Something about copying is the greatest form of flattery or something to that effect. Take that question. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) please go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm already like chomping at the bit over here. So, you know, one of the greatest quotes ever that was given to us by one of our clients, her name's Leslie and she's down in New Orleans. And when she finished her brand, she said, now I no longer have to compete. And I thought that's fantastic. So it really irritates me sometimes when people say, do you have any people you've brand, any people you've branded in my area? Can I see their brands? Paul, a lot of times I tell them no. Okay. And the reason I tell them no is because I say, you know what? You came to Brandface to be different. So why do you even need to look at anybody else's brand? 
And a lot of times, especially in the luxury end of real estate, we hear, I saw this brand, this lady's brand or this group's brand, and I would love a brand like that. And I thought, you're not them. you know. And here's what happens a lot of times in personal branding. I can show somebody 10 different brands. I could show you 10 different brands, Paul. You may absolutely hate eight of them. And you know why? Because they're not yours. They're not your, it's not the idea of how you would present yourself. You might think a background image is just a hideous looking image. You might think a logo is constructed very like hastily and it just looks like it was done in third grade, right? Those are some of the things that people will look at somebody else's brand and say a lot of times. And that's the reason I don't like to show people a huge portfolio of people's personal brands because they get ideas of how they want their brand to look based on two or three other people, not even realizing that's not even you at all. It doesn't like it, you know, yes, we could end up using that font if that's what you like or that color. But the point is your story is entirely different. And that's why I think that it's critical that people understand if you do this right, you won't have competitors. Mm-hmm. There, there's no one like you. That's a really good point. And so for the, pe- the people listening, for that, you know, not have any competition, what, what are the one, two, three things that you would want them to walk away with or take action on right now? If you said, okay, if you're going to do anything from this, this podcast, these are the one, two, three things that you need to do to start to go towards having no competition. Yeah, I would say, uh, number one, you've got to know who it is you're speaking to because your message to them cannot be created unless you know who you're talking to first. You know, think about it this way. Am I, if I'm a speaker and we do, we work with a lot of speakers and authors and podcasters. If I'm a speaker and I'm going to speak to a third grade class, right? I'm going to have a different message. It's a different delivery. It's a different look. I approach things totally different than if I'm going to go speak to a university, you know, a college kids, right? Totally different. So it doesn't, you need to know first who you're talking to, spend some time figuring out who your ideal customer is, and then spend some time really digging on all the things that make you different from anybody else you know in your industry. And some of them, they can be that you might, you might look at some of those things on your list and say, you know, that's, I'm different, but you know, lots of other people could say that. Then you ask yourself, well, are they saying it? Can I own that? Does anybody else own it? Or can I just put my flag in the ground and say, this is me. This is how I'm mm-hmm. different because it's okay. Just because somebody else could say something doesn't mean they are saying it. And so you really need to take a look at what are you willing to own? What are you willing to own? I would think those two would be where I would start. Yeah. Them. And then and the third is, you know, do it like you have. Yes. Like yes. your brand should be something that you wear every day. I have my logo on I uh, every podcast. I, I'm, every I have day, orange. I'm wearing she orange. She always wears orange <laughs> of some kind. They, they, you, you have to live, uh, eat, sleep, breathe that brand if you want that brand to be built. We say that branding is brands are built by impressions. They're not built by time. They're not built by money. They can be built by time and built by money, but they're built by impressions. You can shake hands with one person and say a brand identifier that gets you business just like that. Every every one of our clients can tell you, 
opportunities that they've seen that happen with. So if you do enough of those impressions and then those that business starts coming back to you. So live your brand would be the third thing I'd say as a takeaway. And I have a question for you, Michael, because auctioneering fascinates me. I've, I've never had a real estate auctioneer or come across one. I, I can remember doing a speaking gig years ago for the Auctioneers Association of Ontario. And it struck me that differentiation of an auctioneer's brand is your voice, isn't it? Or the way that you do an auction. Am mm-hmm. I right? Or Yeah. I was always a contract auctioneer. So I sold cars, equipment, and real estate. And you don't really, there's not really advertisement, and especially back when I started in the early 90s. And, you know, you really just get known for your craft and your ability. And then it's your clients that you sell to really more than four that perpetuate, you know, how successful you end up being. But yeah, your voice is definitely part of it. How you do your craft is your chant, you know, is uh, definitely leaders and how you're brand is built out over time. So and how you read the room, you know, mm-hmm. how you can influence things, you know? Yeah. Excitement Which, levels and things like that, you mm-hmm. know, and how you get the guy that trained me, one of the guys that trained me in the real estate business, you know, he just, he said, you got to learn how to mold a crowd. And it, it just, that stuck with me all these years because it was, that's really what you're doing. You're reading the crowd uh, and then you're, you're performing You've got a business to do, right? Which is to get this thing sold, but you you can't sell to people that don't like you. You can't sell to people that are afraid of you. You can't sell to people that you feel feel overburdened and every crowd is different. So you got to sort of figure out pretty quick, like, okay, can I make this crowd laugh and get them where I need to go? Can I, can I bully them a little into it? Can I scare them into it? Like, you know, you just got to sort of figure those things out and I've always loved it. So for those reasons, yeah. I I like your points about, you know, molding an audience because it really goes back to what we've been talking about, doesn't it? An influence that you said, Tonya, influencing. Mm-hmm. It, it all goes back to knowing, being able to read your audience and then getting that message, displaying it in a consistent way that, that gets people tuning into your brand and, and potentially mm-hmm. being tuned out, which is fine. That's true. Absolutely. It's fine. Yeah, That's something most people don't realize. It's okay for somebody to look at your brand and say, oh, that's not really for me. Yeah. They're, they're going to do that okay. anyway. I mean, nobody closes hundred percent. I mean, I, I wish we did, but you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> we sh- what about your own favorite personal brands? Uh, who do you like and, and why? I'll tell you when we just watched a documentary or started to watch a documentary about her not long ago. Dolly Parton. I love her. She she has a signature look. We all know what that is. She has the wigs, you know, she, she has the curvy body. She's, but other than that, she is also a stellar businesswoman and very, very generous, super smart. A lot of people don't know that the, the song, I will always love you. She wrote that song. But Elvis wanted to buy that song and she turned him down because she said it would always just be Elvis's. Yeah. Right. And, and she felt like the song was bigger than that. Yes. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there's so, confidence. That so is her, confident. Yeah. So and, and that's the other thing, her confidence and her, you know, her sense of humor. Like she's she knows what she's known for, right? <laughs> for at first glance, you know, she's known for the, you know, big chested curvy lady right but she's very confident about who she is and in who she is and uh, that's why i love her yeah she's uh, and she'll tell you in the documentary that that is her brand like she's like 
she knew what she wanted it to be and how she wanted to and even show some vulnerability, if I remember correctly, about, you know, doubting whether or not people would like that or not. But she just did it. And she said, I'm going to do it this way. Of course, people did love it. And, uh, and, and I think if I'm right, right in thinking her generosity comes from she had a tough upbringing or a tough yeah, background. Really, really. That, very poor. Very yeah. poor. Yes. Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. And what just a lovely, lovely person today. Yeah. My, I got to say my favorite is kentucky fried chicken and i don't know if y'all if canada has kentucky fried chicken that was my first was i was it? a really i was, a, I, was a, I used to put it on the resume as chef kentucky fried chicken but chef would be a real stretch but yeah i used to be a, i used to be a cook at kentucky fried chicken that was my first part-time job so. well there you go uh, another connector paul because that to me uh, the, the colonel is still putting his face on stuff He's been dead like 27 years. <laughs> yes. I love it. They have Norm McDonald playing on his playing him on commercials and stuff. Like he is a quintessential brand face. <laughs> That's so That's, true. I like that. I love it. Okay. Uh, what about a favorite uh, business book or podcast? Apart from your own, of course, which we'll make sure that's in the show notes. You know, I'm currently, I've read the book before. Now I'm listening to the audible version of it. I like the power of the subconscious mind, Joseph Murphy wrote that book. And I've just really been you know, into that because there's also a quote, and I know this is sometimes a question you ask, so I may be getting ahead of you, Paul, but my favorite quote is from Dr. Wayne Dyer, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. And that all begins with the power of our subconscious mind. So that's my book. And also that's my quote. Sorry to get ahead of you there. No, that's good. <laughs> like it. Two for one. Wonderful. I like the influencer. As a business book, that's a really good one. It, it also teaches you a good bit about human nature. And I, I just learned a lot about personal connection through that book. And then also the ability to change. I looked it up. I don't know if you can see it on there. The, um, will it focus on it? There it is right there. Oh, yes. Okay. Influence. Influence book talks about that, like your cheerleader and how important that is and how, how we need that in our businesses because, you know, the, the somebody else, and that's what, part of what we really love about podcasting is somebody else saying, hey, Paul knows what he's talking about. It's far better than Paul saying, hey, I know what I'm talking about. And they talk, the influencer talks about that. It was, there's several people that contributed, Joseph Grinney, Carrie uh, Patterson. I think Carrie's the one that wrote it. David Maxfield, Ron McMillan, and Al Switzler. And, but it's a good book too, cool. uh, that sort of helped me figured that out. I learned a lot from that about how to how, really how to motivate, which is important, especially as a broker, because I'm responsible for my agents and I take it very serious about their uh, growth and, and the growth of their business. So I take that mantle on. So I learned a lot about how to influence people and motivate them in a positive way. So Wonderful. What about a latest tool or resource? We'll get distracted by uh, squirrels and or shiny objects. What's what's the latest tool or resource you're enjoying using? I'm probably going to say, even though it's not terribly new, Zoom, only because it's allowed us to meet people like you all over the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it it truthfully has, and we use it a, a lot as a recording tool. You know, recording mm -hmm. some of our video content, so it's multi-purpose tool. So I just love that, and I think the my favorite part is just meeting people through it. Mm -hmm. Mine would be, listen, I'm really old school. I hardly need a computer. I've got like an iPhone 8 or something, you know, with crack screens. I don't need a lot of 
I don't need a lot of the new, right? We use uh, Google Drive to stay connected so my whole staff and I can move instantaneously no matter where we are. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest, I know that sounds just old school, but you know, I was a senior works. of the, of the yeah. second largest real estate auction company on earth at one time. And we ran that entire company off of Excel sheets. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't necessarily need, you know, the big flashy thing. You need it to work and work seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And in incorporating a calendar, it's turned our business around because we, the day that we decided that first off we got, we found out about branding and we started down that road and that has worked and, and fantastic. But then when you get the business coming in, how you handle that business has a lot to do with whether you get more or how it grows. So we quit being reactive and really worked hard on being proactive. So uh, the cal- we incorporate the calendar literally down to when we change filters and light bulbs. So our calendars are very serious to us. So we go over it every every morning and that's how we have, you know, 20 plus professional real estate licenses across the United States that we maintain. And that's how we get 300 hours of continuing education done every year on top of while we produce our business. So Wonderful. And so we've had Tonya's quote, or do you have another quote? Is it, or is it wind up? That one for me, for sure. Right. That's That's just my favorite. I think you know we have one also that is a great brand doesn't just change the way others see you it changes the way you see yourself and I think that's truly you know one of the most um, rewarding things in and what we do is seeing people really see themselves for the first time in their brand because they don't even realize how special or unique they truly are and what they have to offer to the world. And when they see that, that's such a blessing to them and to us. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I often have that conversation with clients at the things that others see and the value that others see in them. Mm-hmm. You don't realize yourself because right. either you haven't tuned into it or quite often you're doing it so naturally and so well that it, it, right. just, it just happens. But the mm-hmm. key is, as you've highlighted today, is making people aware of that and highlighting it and bringing it out and, and then displaying it. So, Yeah. Okay. We, we also like to say it's hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. <laughs> and so <laughs> You need like somebody to well, you know, show you what that label looks like. And it, it works better when somebody else shows you. Yeah. So, yeah. do, you do you have a favorite quote yourself, Michael? Or? I mean, ours is uh, prosperity favors the bold, so be bold. I think that if I was uh, wanted to be known for anything down the road, it would be for saying that. It's the one thing I'd change about my life. I'd have been bolder, quicker, you know, try to shake the fear out of yourself and get moving. Go do it. That's the point. Yeah. So how can people find out more about, about you and the services that you offer? Just head to brandfacestar.com. Okay. Wonderful. It's been a total pleasure. Tonya, Michael, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. You've got some great information and, and value to people today. And uh, I wish you a fantastic day. Thank you. you so much. It's been nice to get to know you. Absolutely. You. We've enjoyed it. Well, was that fantastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. 
That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.